ever so often, God will strategically orchestrate and design for your steps to enter into a certain space, place, so that you can hear a message, instructions, or teaching that you will need for your future. That you will need for your tomorrow, that you will need for your assignment. This, this rhema, this divine instruction will be directly in sponsorship with the reason on why you have been born. Ever so often, God will strategically order your steps. You didn't even know it, but he ordered your steps to walk into a certain space or place to hear a word or instruction that is instrumental for your future. And I tell all of us prophetically and watching online, this is one of those moments. This message here is one of those messages that is directly in sponsorship with the reason on why you have been born. Last week, we came together for part one of our Trap House series. It was incredible. God breathed on our encounter. The whole purpose of part one was to get us to have trap awareness. Somebody say trap awareness. And you were given an acronym, trap. It means tricks right at pivots right when you're at a pivotal moment in your life right when you're about to make a pivotal decision right when a crossroad is before you an interstate is before you a canal is before you rest assured that the devil has somebody shouted a trap he has a trap a trick right at your most pivotal moment and so what the devil wants to do is he wants to put a trap in front of you he wants to put a trap behind you he wants to put a trap on the side of you and he wants your own personality in itself to be a trap <laughs> so that you feel trapped by traps <laughs> we said if the devil could be an insect the insect that he would be is a spider and his web will be power, pleasure, possessions, pain, and pride. Because I don't have to fight hard against trapped people. I don't have to fight hard against the individuals who are calling my trap God's blessing. <laughs> so we can't see them and we step right in them. And so it's like if I could get for them to view my trap as their bait. If I can get for them to view my trap as God blessing them, they will end up blaming God for the suffering that they're going to experience because they didn't have the discernment to recognize that this wasn't God, this was me. Somebody say traps. traps. Trap awareness. Because please hear me, if I was a note taker, I'd write this down. Ignorance leads to suffering. And suffering leads to suffocation. Ignorance leads to suffering if i am ignorant of what a kingdom man looks like my marriage will suffer if i am ignorant to what leadership looks like the people i serve will suffer and something in my life will be suffocated your joy will be suffocated your peace will be suffocated your discernment will be suffocated your delight will be suffocated because i'm ignorant over the devil's traps and over his schemes but there's a trap. There's a trap that often gets overlooked. And we're going to look at our biblical icon on today that's going to serve us and show us about this trap. Second Kings chapter 5, verse 1. If you're there, would you shout at your boy as loud as you can? I got it. It says, now Naaman was the commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of of his masters and highly regarded because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. He was a valid soldier, but <laughs> there is that but. All of us have a but, right? I know that didn't sound right. Not the B U T T. <laughs> we got that. But there is a, another but that exists in our life. It is that conjunction, junction, what's your? 
function. It's that but that contradicts how you're seen because of what you're hiding behind the scenes. It's that but that you don't post. It's that but that you don't share. There is a contradiction, a but somewhere in our life. So don't judge Naaman because if you look at the text, Naaman looks just like you and looks just like me. But Naaman had leprosy. Now a band of raiders from Aram had gone out and have taken captive a young girl from Israel and she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria, he would cure him of his leprosy. Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means, go, the king of Aram replied. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him 10 talents of silver and 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. clothing. That's just 750 pounds of silver and 150 pounds of gold. When I was growing up in church, I didn't know what shekels and all that stuff means. So just so that we could understand it. The letter that he took to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant Naaman to you, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he tore his robe and said, Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he was trying to pick a quarrel with me? When Elisha, the man of God, heard the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Why have you turned your clothes, bruh? What are you doing? Have the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and chariots and stopped at the door of Elisha's house. Elisha sent a messenger. He doesn't even come out the house. Elisha sent a messenger. This is why you don't get disenchanted when I'm not up here because God has a messenger. Okay. Elisha sent a messenger to say to him, go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you will be cleansed. But Naaman went away triggered. <laughs> Think about it. You telling an unclean man to go take a bath. <laughs> Leprosy means you are unclean. Naaman went away offended. He's, he's upset. He's triggered. I thought he would come out and Surely come to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord, his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure me of my leprosy. Naaman had a method on how he thought God would do it. Look, look. And he's angry because God didn't do it the way he thought God would do it. Woo. I wonder how many of us are upset at God because we don't like his methods. See, maturity has arrived to your spiritual growth when you're like, listen, I don't care how you do it. Just do it. I don't, if I got to wash, if I got to dip, if I got to jump, if I got to skip, I don't care what I got to do. Just do it. Can somebody sound like a Nike commercial? Shout, just do it. Just do it. That's all I care, God. Just do it. Just heal my mind. Just heal my heart. Just heal my soul. Whatever it takes, just do it. Are not... Apani and Farpai, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Uh oh, arrogance is starting to show. Could not wash in them and be cleansed. This is crazy. We're seeing the leprosy is not just on his skin, it's in his heart. So he turned and went off in rage. Naaman's servants, probably like me, were probably confused and went to him and said, uh, If the prophet had told you to do some great thing. Would you not have done it? How much more then when he tells you wash and be cleansed? What if the way God is going to cleanse you is not going to require for you to do a great work? All it's going to require is obedience. You think it's going to be the massive work that God has to do. He says, no, I'll wash you and cleanse you. You know how? By your obedience. Our verse of emphasis, our clause of concern that we're going to highlight and park for the, for the rest of our remainder that we have this afternoon is verse 11. 
But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought, I thought, I thought, drive it home, Jerry. I thought he would marry me. I thought they would hire me. I thought they would support me. I thought that they would endorse me. I thought God would have done it by now. I thought I would be over this by now. I thought that he would come out, call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot and cure the leprosy. And he walks away angry. And as I was studying this week, I said, my God, Naaman, you're so angry that you really rather walk away and keep the leprosy because you don't like God's method. I wonder how many of us under the sound of my voice and watching online are keeping stuff because you don't like God's instructions. There's something that God wants to wash, but you don't like his instruction. You don't like his principle. You don't like his teaching. So you're walking away upset that you have an unclean area because I don't like the methodology that God is using to cleanse me. There is a trap. There is this trap that usually goes undetected unseen because truthfully the power and the effectiveness of a trap is for it to blend did y'all hear what i just said what makes a trap have power is its ability to blend its ability to fit in its ability to camouflage if you are a hunter if you are a hunter and there's something that you want to capture there's a creature that you want to, to get to fall into a trap, the first thing you have to do is study. I have to study timing. What is the time the bear usually comes this way? What is the time the bear usually comes to the meadow? What time does the bear usually come and drink from the streams? I have to study the bears, watch this, habits. Because the habits give me instructions on where to place the trap. I have to study the bear's environment. What environments does this bear like? What environment and atmosphere is most conducive for the bear to feel comfortable enough to walk through with his guard down? And Satan has the exact same methodology. He studies us because he has a trap for our opportune times. Preach Holy Spirit. He has a trap for opportune times. When is the time that they are most likely to lower their guard? When is that time? Because I have a trap for that opportune time. When is the time that they are most likely to curse somebody out and vandalize their witness? Is it in the morning on the way to work? Is it in the traffic at five o'clock? When is the time when they are most likely to step out of their Christ-like character? Because I have a trap for opportune times. When is the time that he's most likely to hit up that distraction that he labels as his boys? I can't wait, y'all. In this series, when we hit the trap of toxic friends, I want us to really understand a lot of us are befriending people who are bringing out the side of you you no longer want to be. It's a trap. When does he hit up his friends? See, a, a toxic friend is anybody who keeps on trying to resurrect what you want to keep in the grave. I'm not trying to be that version of me anymore. When are they most likely to call the friend that they get high with? I, I need to study that time because I have a trap for opportune times. When is the time that they're most likely to be the most insecure? Right when they're about to use their gift, I want them to be insecure because the devil knows, ooh, this is about to be heavy. The devil knows when you do not use your gift, it's saying, God, you made a bad investment in me. Woo! You made a bad investment in me when you gifted me to preach. You made a bad investment in me when you gifted me to sing. Because to not use the gift for God's glory, the enemy is saying, you saying, God, you didn't invest in me wisely. So if I could use my trap 
to get them insecure. They will constantly tell God, you made a bad investment. I'm not going to use it. You made a bad investment. I'm too scared of what people think. You made a bad investment. So I try to trap them with insecurity because I have a trap right at opportune times. When are they most likely to watch pornography? <laughs> it's quiet in here. I know. The Holy Spirit is breathing on this one hard. I know. When are they most likely to watch pornography? I know this about 1142, Warren. When they're tired and they start scrolling on their smartphone, it makes them spiritually dumb. And so I know around this time, I'm going to send the pop-ups. Around this time, I'm going to have the IG model come across his algorithm, come across her algorithm, because ladies do it too. In the morning, instead of them seeking my face first, they see Instagram. That's the timing. So what I'm going to do is hide my trap underneath the soil of their habits. Their habits are going to cause for them to walk right in the direction of traps because the enemy has traps for opportune times. I'm going to give you a Bible so y'all can see I'm not up here just giving you rhetoric. Luke chapter 4, verse 13. It says, now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him until an opportune time. There's a time when the opportunity for you to most likely fall for a trap is in my schedule. And I can hide it underneath the soil of their habits. This, this one trap that often goes undetected. We don't talk about it as much in church. It's a soul poisoning. It is a soul disease. Break down the word disease. You get dis-ease. The word dis is a prefix. It means to not have or none. So when we have a disagreement or disapproval or somebody takes, takes it to where you have the disadvantage, it means I don't have the advantage. I don't have the approval. We do not agree. This dis-ease. Is lacking ease in your spirit is the trap of triggers. I'm just triggered, girl. They just trigger me. What if the enemy was like, you know what? If I could get for them to become one with their trigger, they'll never see that the trap of the trigger is causing for them to walk away from the treatment. Because they're so triggered. They're trapped by triggers. What trap keeps you triggered that's causing for you to avoid your treatment? All you have to do, Naaman, is go wash. But Naaman is about to reject the washing because he's triggered. <laughs> Let's talk around this thought from this subject for part two of our brand new Trap House series, Trapped by triggers trapped by triggers can i get everybody to say this and everybody watching online could you put this in the room in all caps it's going to be real quiet in here today i'm not preaching for a response i'm preaching to give you wholeness can i get everybody to say this father, father heal, me heal me on the inside, on the inside. Trauma, trauma will not own, will not own the pen of my story <laughs> one more time father Heal me, Heal me on the inside. Trauma will not own the pen of my story. Does anybody agree with that? It won't have the final say. Naaman walked away angry. I said, I thought that he would come out, call on the name of the Lord, his God, Wave his hand. I mean, Naaman was expecting a show. <laughs> Wave his hand and cure me of my leprosy. But how God was going to cure Naaman was his ability to follow instructions. Triggers. 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 All 
my generation talks about. I'm triggered by church. I'm triggered by the word pastor. I'm, I'm triggered by that term. I'm, don't call me single. Call me unmarried. I'm triggered by this. I'm, I'm triggered by, I'm triggered. All of these triggers, I'm not minimizing them because triggers are real, but I want us to understand them. Triggers, what they really are, like you really can't protect your heart and guard your heart with all diligence if you aren't aware of your trigger. Because truthfully, if you do not have discernment of your trigger, by default, you will place yourself in atmospheres unknowingly that are triggering. Did y'all hear me? You can't even guard your heart with all diligence if you aren't aware of your trigger. Because unknowingly, you will place yourself in atmospheres and environments that are triggering because you can't discern your trigger. 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 Traps. Trigger. Trigger. Triggers. They're the architect for strongholds. Triggers. Triggers. Termites to emotional maturity. Triggers. Triggers. Trigger causes for us to watch a rerun of trauma and be tormented by it in our nightmares. Triggers. 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 And strongholds are not necessarily a devil or a demon, but strongholds are something that devils, demons, and triggers can work from. Triggers. 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 Maybe I could cause for them to cause their emotions to discredit their witness and people will say all them Christians are like, you know, them Christians are all it takes is for us to be triggered, trigger, trigger. Oh, y'all should see your faces. <laughs> trigger, trigger, trapped by triggers. See, when your childhood was a war zone, when your last marriage was a war zone. When your relationship or your church experience was a war zone, watch this, peace in itself could be a trigger. <laughs> because the trap has become one with my identity. And so when we don't have chaos, when we don't have arguments, when we don't have stress, I'm triggered because I'm used to it. I'm used to it. Everybody wants health, but nobody recognizes that you got to train the taste buds to like health because health tastes bitter for those who love chaos. I'm not used to health. I'm used to chaos. Triggers, 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 triggers. Triggers will cause for us to take escape routes when this is actually the atmosphere that God is going to use to heal you. See, it's like this. Come here, bro. Come here, Warren. If my trigger is I don't do people, out somebody, I have trust issues. Look, look. The same way the devil sends people, so does God. The same way the devil sends people to hurt us, God sends people to help us. And so... If I have a brother that God is going to use to take my trigger, but I'm triggered by people reaching out to me, what they want, man? They always in my business. Stop calling me, bro. Stop. I will literally be fighting the person that God wants to use to free me from the trap. And I'm like, man, I ain't coming to no men's conference, bro. No, they do too much. All that hugging and stuff. They ain't used to that. Stop touching me. I'm not used to all that stuff. Why are we talking to strangers? I don't even know these people. I'm the, the people that God is trying to use. This is how we look in the spirit. But then our prayer life is saying, God, can you help me? Can you help me be free? God, help me have some self-control. God, help me stop cursing people out. Can I come for your edges a little more? See... Some of us, our triggers are so intimate with our identity that we push away help just to affirm our fears. So good, bro. Look, we'll push away who God wants to help to affirm. I knew they were fake. People always want me for my stuff. I knew they weren't going to stay. Is it they really didn't want to stay? Or you become so one with your trigger 
that you keep affirming your fear every time God tries to send somebody to take it from you. To take it. To take it. You have a seat, Warren. To take it. I don't do people. No, you love your trigger. You love your trigger. Because some way and somehow your trigger has become your defense mechanism. Triggers. Triggers. Many times all the trigger is, is an unresolved part of ourself that spawns emotionalism due to somebody we haven't forgiven or ourselves that we haven't forgave. I need to say that one more time. All the trigger really is, many times, it's, it's an unresolved part of ourselves that spawns emotionalism due to somebody we have not forgiven or ourselves we haven't forgave. There are people under the sound of my voice and watching online that expect the worst because of what you've done. Because of what you've done. And so I am triggered sometimes by blessings. Because this doesn't match what I think I should get. But the crazy thing about grace is we all deserve an F. And through Jesus, we get an A. Not because of your works, but because of his. Triggers, triggers. Why are you preaching so passionately about this, pastor? It's because I'm praying and I'm pleading by the power of the Holy Spirit that healing will hit the heart of my sister. I'm praying and I'm pleading by, by the power of the Holy Spirit that healing will hit the heart of my brother so that we won't walk around vandalizing our witness. All it takes is for us to be triggered and Jesus is out the window. All it takes is for us to be triggered in our kingdom representation. Oh, that's all the window all it takes is for us to be triggered and somebody gonna get laid out cursed out knocked out y'all not talking to me all it takes is for us to be triggered so watch this your faithfulness to God rests on your emotions <laughs> your witness rests on how you feel but you didn't put your feelings in Jesus you put your faith in Jesus God wants to redeem our responses. God wants to redeem how we react. Are you saying be a doormat? No, I'm not. I'm saying produce this fruit of the Holy Spirit. Self-control. Triggered. Triggered. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. If we don't get this under the Holy Spirit's power. See, triggers can become ceilings. I want to take you higher. Trigger won't let you. 2023, it's coming the year I see results and fruit, but your trigger, it won't let you. It won't let you because how I feel takes over what I represent. Triggered. And we have to start having these uncomfortable online, you hear how quiet it is, messy conversations that don't necessarily feel good to digest. Oh, but it'll give you deliverance. What good is a series to preach about the virus but never give you the vaccine? What good is a series to preach about a spiritual illness but not give you the medication? Triggers. 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 And this is the part that kind of shook me up during study. Jesus told us in his word, I've given you the power. I've given you the authority. I want you to see this. Luke chapter 10 verse 19 it says, I have given you authority. Certain translations say power. I have given you, given you the authority, the power to trample on snakes and scorpions and to, y'all shout this word, overcome. I said, shout the word, overcome. overcome. All the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. Not a diabolical force, not your mindset, not your thought patterns, not your triggers. I've given you the power. See, not only was Jesus telling us the power that we have of being followers of him, he's also referencing a time when the children of Israel were in a hallway. Remember last week, they were in a hallway. They were in the wilderness. They were yet to be in Canaan, that's the promised land, and they were no longer in Egypt. I want y'all to see this. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 15. It says, he led you through the vast and dreadful hallway. Excuse me, wilderness. 
He led you through the vast and dreadful hallway, that wilderness, that thirsty and waterless land with its, look at this, venomous snakes and scorpions. So when Jesus says, I've given you the authority and I've given you the power, he's not just saying, I've given you the power to conquer the enemy on the outside. How do venomous snakes kill? They got to put something in you. Their bite puts something in you. How do scorpions kill? They got to put something in you. He's saying, I haven't just given you the power to overcome the evil one on the outside. I've also given you the power to trample what the enemy is trying to use on the inside. I've given you the power to stomp and crush what the enemy is trying to use on the inside of you. Because sometimes your greatest enemy is your inner me. Giving you power. Somebody shout power. But here's the thing. Triggers make you give up your power. They make you give up your power. It's about to get rough. God wants to use you. He does. God desires to use you, but he's limited in how much he could effectively use a triggered leader. Hear me. I'm limited in what I could really do. Well, that's not Bible. God is never limited. Jesus could do no works in his hometown except heal a few sick people. And he marveled at their unbelief. I want to use you, but I'm limited in how much I could use a a triggered leader. Because when I have given you a word, when I have given you a song, and somebody triggers you in the comment section, you won't speak from that word. You will speak from that emotion from that trigger. And so instead of you preaching from heaven, you're preaching from triggers. Instead of you talking and serving others the way I want you to serve, you're triggered. Is serving the kingdom of darkness. You have Bible? Moses all day. Speak to the rock. Moses got so triggered that he hit the rock. And because he was triggered by people, he didn't get to the promised land. How many more promises are you going to miss out on because you keep allowing people to trigger you? Triggered. I know it's not easy to hear. But God is saying, this year I want to promote you. But your triggers won't let me. I love you so much that I won't allow your explosive attitude to blow up in ministry. I love you so much that I won't allow your sharp tongue to be in a position to talk to my people. I want you to go to the promised land. So if you have to stay in the hallway longer so that I could detox that, I love you so much. Well, I'll do it. Because your triggers are getting in the way of what I desire to do in your life. See... God wants us to have a cruise line character versus a canoe character. See, a canoe, if you step in it, it could tilt. Y'all miss what I just said. When you have character like a canoe, if somebody steps at you the wrong way, you tilt. They got to come at you real soft and really make sure I word this rightly. Because you have a canoe type character. If you say the wrong thing, if you come at me some type of way, I'm going to go zero to 100 real quick. (laughs) Canoe character. See, but if you have cruise line character, people can walk. They can skip. They can dance. And I won't sink. I won't sink underneath the waters of my emotion because I'm built different. God wants us... To exuberate the fruit of the spirit, self-control so much where our character is like a cruise line. They can step on me all they want. I'm not sinking. Are you more like a cruise line or a canoe? It's rhetorical. You don't have to answer. Somebody said canoe. (laughs) I love the honesty. Let let me give you three methods that help me when I deal with people. Because you're like, okay, I understand. I got triggers. Okay, what do I do about them? All right. First thing, what I do is when people come at me some type of way or wherever, it could be random. First thing I ask myself is, what happened to them? 
I promise this changes everything. Why are you laying on the horn like that? The light just turned green. <laughs> Some of us like, uh-uh, right back. They drive on the side of you like, what? I know I'm telling the truth. Don't let somebody at church catch you on 290. <laughs> all it takes, all it takes is for them to come at you some type of way. Y'all made me forget what I was talking about. <laughs> One type, all it takes for them to come at you some type of way and immediately you're triggered. Immediately you're triggered. So what God is striving to do is to give us character. Three things I use. First one, what happened to them? Second one is do they know me? You really can't have a serious problem with me if you don't know me. If you know me, call me. You don't have my number, you don't know me. <laughs> so simple. I got a problem with you. You don't know me. You really don't know me. Okay, number one, what happened to them? Because most of the time, somebody else's approach has more to do with what's going on in here than you. What happened to them? Do they know me? And this one takes maturity. Third one is, before I respond, does this person even have the emotional intelligence enough to consider another perspective outside of the one they thought up or the one somebody told them? Did y'all hear what I just said? Do they even have the emotional intelligence enough to consider another perspective outside of the one that they've conjured up in their head or the one they heard? If they don't have enough emotional intelligence to consider another perspective, why waste your time? Because some people aren't looking for answers. They're looking for argument. Why? Because they're arguing within themselves. And each conversation you have with them is manifesting how they feel internally. How much more nicer would you be if every person you encountered that had an attitude, you asked, what happened to them? And maybe I could represent the kingdom right now. Maybe in the midst of their day, whatever frustrated them, they could run into the love of Jesus. Has the gospel and, converge, and, has the gospel and conversion reached deep enough in your heart to redeem the way you react. Not just what you post and present. What about your reactions though? Triggers. Triggers. Why are you preaching so hard on this topic? It's because I heard this in prayer church family. I didn't Google this. This is not from a book. I literally heard this in prayer. As I'm praying and asking God, okay, what, what do you want me to say for part two? Deal with triggers. Because my children are so triggered that their triggers are suffocating their obedience. Didn't get that from a book. In prayer, my people are triggered and their triggers are suffocating their obedience. So much so to where they're looking for remedies in traps. Did y'all hear what I just said? They're triggered. And they're strangling their obedience. And they're trying to find remedies and traps. She's so uncomfortable that she tries to comfort herself with food and haagen ice cream and cookies and chips. Because she's trying to comfort herself, which is falling for the trap of gluttony. Which is falling for the trap of addiction. He's just trying to find peace. This is why he gets high. But he's falling for the trap of alcoholism. He's falling for the trap of being intoxicated in your mental sobriety. They're so triggered by being alone that they're entertaining a devil sent person and then coming to me and asking me to bless it. Talk, Holy Ghost. They're asking me to bless what hell sent. They don't even recognize. They're so triggered that they're looking for remedies and traps. Can we go a little deeper? Only about two people say yes. Can we go a little deeper? Yes. All right. If you could trace it, you could unlearn it. Now, this... this Loneliness thing, alone thing, I like to call it traumatic aloneness. 
Traumatic aloneness is when you were six or seven years old and you were left alone. Longer than you were supposed to be. Mama said, I'm going to be back in an hour. Two hours went by. Three hours went by. Four hours went by. The sun is starting to come up. And then they finally walk in and you were so traumatized from that moment. For some of us, they never came back. Daddy never came back. And you were six and seven, too young to be alone like that. And you were traumatized in that moment and birthdays passed and now you're grown. And you wonder why you can't stand being alone? It's because traumatic aloneness. And so when God calls you to a season of separation, you're triggered. Because it takes you back when you were six and seven, when God wants you to have solitude, not because he's punishing you, but for the purpose of training you to know his voice, you're triggered from it. It takes me back to that six-year-old girl wondering when mama's going to come back. She said she was going to the store, but she was really going to another man's house, and that triggered me. It triggered me because my dad said he was coming to pick me up to get my hair cut, but he never came back. No wonder we're so alone. And when God says, come to a wilderness where I could train, go to a brook, Cherith. This season, I need you by myself. It triggers you because it takes you right back to that traumatic event. Tell my people, son, that their trigger is suffocating their obedience. Their gift, their calling is being strangled by triggers. And if They don't allow for me to heal that. They'll constantly be blaming me for traps they're falling in because they have become one with their trigger and their trap. Triggers. Triggers. Triggers are what the enemy uses as his check-in date to live rent-free in our head. Did y'all hear me? This is a healing sermon. I feel it all in my spirit right now. The enemy uses triggers as his check-in date for him to live rent-free in your emotions. So I can't fully obey because I'm so triggered. What if it's not your spouse? My, my husband keeps triggering me. Or could it be the trigger existed before your husband? And you're blaming them. But it existed before them. It's going to hurt some names, hurt some people right here. Could it be they're not triggering you? It's just your trigger cause for you to even entertain them. I'm triggered. My triggers are strangling my ability to be obedient. It's strangling my ability to be clean. Naaman is the man. Everybody knows who he is. Like he has a blue check on Instagram. (laughs) He has all of these followers. A mighty warrior. People respect me when I walk by. Because I've conquered nations. I've conquered kingdoms. But Naaman had leprosy. Hmm. Isn't it funny that God would use a man with a notable issue? It's a noticeable issue. I believe he tried to hide it under his armor because lepers are supposed to be out the city. The king knew it and the little girl who was a servant knew it. But what was it like trying to hide for a living? What was it like for a living to try to pull your clothes down where nobody could see your real issue? But in public, Naaman is the man. But Naaman had leprosy, and God used somebody with a noticeable issue. I wonder, ooh, I wonder whose issue in here is noticeable. And when the devil tried to trigger you to make you feel disqualified because your issue is noticeable, I could look through the text and see that God used those who had noticeable issues. You know why? Because he wants to give you a look at them now testimony. They used to be on the stripper pole. Now they're leading worship. Look at them now. 
He used to be pushing on the corner, the dope boy. Now he's helping people and pushing carts and telling people to scoot down where more people can fit in the sanctuary. I like to give my children a look at them now testimony. Not for you to flex, but for them to see me. I begin to think, what if the girl who was captured was triggered that she was captured? And as she sees Naaman take off his armor, she saw the leprosy. What if she was like some of us? God's judging you. Mm-hmm. You're going to rot. That's right. You shouldn't have messed with me. You messed with God's child. Now, look at him get you back. See, God is exercising vengeance. God is going to cause for me to enter into a season that some people are going to wish that they treated me better. <laughs> yeah, now look at what God is doing. But sometimes your problem serves a purpose. Her being captured was bigger than her being captured. Her being captured was to see the leprosy, to tell her about Elisha, to get him to Elisha's house. What problem is really serving you? serving you. You want healing? You can't avoid your way into healing. You want healing? Healing is heavy lifting of the soul. It's going to be strenuous to let go. It's going to be difficult. You might cry. You might groan. You might moan. But I've arrived to this place in my life. I rather purposeful pain than pointless pain. Anybody? If I'm going to cry, let it serve a purpose. If this is going to hurt, let it serve a purpose. If I'm going to be sore in my emotions due to this sermon, let it be because I got some spiritual muscles now. At least let it have a purpose. Don't let me experience pain for no point. Your problem serves a purpose. She tells Naaman, hey, I, I know a dude who can heal you. Naaman brings us gold and all of these assets because he has a method. On how he believes God is going to do it. Listen church. If you study the text. You will see interwoven all throughout the fabric of scripture. That miracles are married to instructions. I don't like people telling me what to do. Maybe it's not them as God. All throughout scripture, I can give you example after example. We'll be up here to the sunset. If I were to just name all of the biblical candidates that their healing was, to, was tied to an instruction. But Naaman is triggered. And what's funny to me about this, Herbert, is he begins to point out the water. Don't they got better water over here? Don't, isn't it weird when dirty people try to call other stuff dirty? <laughs> who are they? To, who are you? This is why arrogance and racism is so stupid to me. What, you a better piece of dirt than me? We both dirt. So you got clothes on your dirt. So your dirt better than my dirt. But at the end of the day, we all dirt. When you die, you're going to go back to dust. <laughs> dirty people complaining about dirty places. I don't do church. There are too many dirty people there. Who goes to the gym and says, I don't work out. There are too many out of shape people in here. <laughs> we trying to get right. gets offended <laughs> he gets offended and somebody has to remind him it's not really hard to get clean that, that that's really what this message is about it's not really hard to be free from your trigger it's just instructions I want to give you some instructions and we're done point number one recognize the fuse the fuse some of us <laughs> there's this firecracker called a black cat you know, we, around 4th of July, that fuse is like, Spah! as soon as you light it, that's how it is. That sound effect though, right? As soon as you light it, Spah! the others, you light it and you got a chance to run, right? What's your fuse like? And don't get like, oh, well, it depends. Recognize your fuse. Listen, y'all, this is the part that I feel like the church is not preaching about enough. The Holy Spirit is a counselor. The Holy Spirit is a teacher. 
The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He is a comforter. He is a teacher. He is God. Okay? So certain things, I'm not minimizing therapy. Y'all know, I do therapy Thursdays with my brother Isaac. I'm not minimizing it. But certain things, only the Holy Spirit can show you why. Because the Holy Spirit is a teacher. For some of us, when I articulated you being left alone, that was like revelation from the Holy Spirit to show you, okay, this is why you despise being alone. It's not from a book. It's the Holy Spirit. Recognize your fuse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. I want to read this first in the New King James Version. It says, therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight. How can you lay aside a weight you can't recognize? And the sin which so easily ensnares. Remember I told you snare means trap. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. The purpose of a trap is to get in the way of your run. It's the purpose of it. I can't run after Jesus because I keep stepping in traps. Now, I want us to look at the same exact version, same exact scripture from a different version. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 from the Passion Version. It says, as for us, we have all of these great witnesses which encircle us like a cloud. So we must let go of every wound that has pierced us. And the sin which we so easily fall into. Now I want to show you all this chart so that we can kind of see how, how it starts. I want us to see this chart of how triggers start. Because I don't want to just point out the triggers without us understanding, okay, how it forms, okay? First thing that happens is there's a, there's a traumatic event. Get out the way where y'all can see. First thing is there is a traumatic event that happens in your life. Okay, after the, traumatic, after the traumatic event, the brain stores it. And the brain stores it with cortisol. I taught us that before, okay? That's your stress response. So that traumatic event is stored in my mind with a stress response in my brain, okay? After the traumatic event and the brain stores it, now emotions are assigned to it. That makes me scared. That makes me angry. And that emotion is tied to that storage. So anytime something looks familiar, like that traumatic event, whatever emotion has been assigned is going to come out. After that, your defense mechanism is formed. That's cursing out. That's what we're dealing with in the men's conference. See, porn is just the fruit. It's not the root. It's not the root. You have a defense mechanism. Some way you're trying to cope with the traumatic event. And then it affects the way you think. This is powerful, y'all. This is how it starts. So if you can recognize the traumatic event, then you can recognize, okay, my brain has this memory here. And this is the emotion I feel from that trigger. Now it explains why I curse the way I do. And it also explains the way I think. This is like free therapy, y'all. <laughs> Biblical therapy. I'm, I'm getting and I'm giving you... How do I identify the fuse? Recognize the fuse. Point number two, while you heal, protect your atmosphere. You don't have to allow, oh, you don't have to allow toxic relatives around your kids because they family. Who cares if they get upset? Protect your environment as you heal. Just because we share the same last name does not mean we share the same spirit. Say it again. Just because we share the same last name does not mean we have to share the same storm. While you're here, protect your atmosphere. And hear me, forgiveness does not always mean reentry. Hear me, hear me, listen, listen, because some people say this is unbiblical. No, I forgive you 
but you haven't changed. See? Just because you have forgiven them does not mean they are no longer unhealthy. And some of us think forgiveness means, okay, allow them back into personal space. Sometimes doing that again is giving them another knife. They miss you the first time. Even Joseph, when his brothers came back, he put a silver cup in their bag. Why? I need to see if y'all the same dudes who sold me into slavery. Will y'all tell the truth or lie? He tested them. While you heal, protect your atmosphere. Number three, you have the power to choose your thoughts. They just trigger me. No, no, no. You have the power to choose your thoughts. It's going to take work now. Remember, healing is heavy lifting of the soul. Are you willing to do the work? Everybody under the sound of my voice, in your mind, I want you to picture a lion. Do y'all see it? Now I want you to picture a rooster. Do y'all see it? Y'all just proved to me you could change the way you think. <laughs> Somebody said, got him! <laughs> you have the power. You do. Now, this is why we pray. Because prayer trains you to cast down thoughts. Number four, the desire to be clean must be greater than your preference. Who cares if you got to dip seven, eight times? You got to come to discipleship, men's conference, uh, Sunday service, both 10, 12. It, whatever you have to do to be clean. Stop saying, I'm tired. I'm complaining. You want to be clean, right? You spend years pumping porn in your soul, but you don't want to spend 4% of your day getting the word in. Saying you're tired, but you will go home and watch the game. You're tired, but you will go home and binge a whole series of Game of Thrones. You're tired, though. Why can you finish everything but your Bible reading plan? The desire to be clean must be greater than your preference. I know y'all are done. Y'all can't handle it anymore. Okay. Last point. I need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. I need God. Depending, now I'm not minimizing nobody's trigger because some of it is tied to some traumatic stuff. Traumatic stuff. Raped, molested. That's more than just thinking of a lion and thinking of a rooster. Depending on what you've gone through, it could be deep. I need my wonderful counselor to heal me. The part of the Godhead that culture wants us to think is something that makes you jerk and shout. Oh, they got the Holy Spirit. No. The Holy Spirit is God. And he is a comforter. Why would he need to be a comforter if something in your life will not cause for you to be uncomfortable? Trapped. My triggers. It's not always that the devil is after us. Sometimes it's our trap. It's myself. So I wanted to come to us today. Really more teachy than preachy. Because I know that there are people on the sound of my voice and watching online. You're battling with your emotional responses. And God has much need of you. But he said, I have to redeem the way you react. Forgive them. You don't know what they did to me. Let me remind you. Father, forgive them. For they know not what they do. Driving nails in my hands. I don't understand. I'm being killed. And I'm saying, I forgive them. So, Father, in this moment. We're asking God, do what you do best, heal. Heal. Whoever we have to forgive. Some of us, we automatically know who it is. Help us to forgive. So that we don't walk away from the miracle and keep the leprosy. God, we don't want 
to be bound by this anymore. Father, would you please heal us, restore us? Help us to have a different perspective that you have need of us. And my triggers are a ceiling. God, I'm praying for wisdom. I'm praying for clarity. I'm praying for causing our hearts to be like the rain, like the clay after rain, soft and pliable. Mold our hearts. Give us a contrary heart, renewing us a right spirit so that we can be used by you. If it's mom, if it's dad, if it's pastor, uncle, brother, auntie, cousin, grandpa, whoever it is, God, we forgive them. And lastly, God, remind us, just like you forgive us when we confess our faults, help us to forgive us so that we're not held captive to punishment we feel that we should give ourselves because of what we've done. You've thrown it into the sea of forgetfulness, separated it as far as the east is from the west. We are blood covered. When you see us, you just see the blood of your son. The blood still works, the cross works. So who are we to crucify ourselves for what we've done? Help us to forgive ourselves and to see us through the lens of Jesus. Versus the lens of our trauma. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody who agrees with that prayer, would you shout in the room, amen.